Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 348. I'm changing things up on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. With all of our lives being flipped upside down, to me, it makes perfect sense to change with the times as well, and we have a brand new type of show to share with you that I think you're really going to like. We're going to begin with this week's episode, so here we go. I don't have to sit here and tell everybody that in the last couple of weeks, a lot has changed. And the cruising world itself has been flipped upside down. And with the Royal Green Blog podcast, it got me thinking, what can we talk about on a weekly basis? I didn't want to stop the podcast. And I also didn't want this to become coronavirus weekly. And I also didn't want to appear to be tone deaf in giving you guys advice for cruises that nobody can go on. So I was really in a conundrum, and this week we're going to try a brand new idea out because, after all, I feel like everybody's looking for a little bit of an escape, a little bit of a way to, you know, forget our cares for a little bit and think back to good times, better times, in fact. And when it comes to cruising, I feel like there's a lot of those to always look back on, but not just my experiences, it's about your experiences because, after all, not only do you all listen to the podcast, but you all have experiences and stories that are, are a lot of fun to hear, in fact. And so for the next number of episodes for the foreseeable future, we're actually going to be dedicating these Royal Green Blog podcast episodes to be about you, to be about your cruising stories. And whether this was something that something special occurred, a favorite memory, a favorite cruise, something about a sailing or a cruise or something that stands out in people's minds. And I'm going to be inviting our audience to join me on this podcast to talk all about this and to kick off our very first episode of these cruising memories segments, we'll call them that, maybe we'll come up with a better name later on, is a friend of mine who I thought was a perfect first choice because I've known her for a really long time. She has a great attitude and I love her story. She's always got something going on and I'm sure we're in for a treat. In fact, I'll be honest with you, with with everybody listening right now, I have no idea what she's about to say. I didn't even screen her story. She reached out to me with this idea, and I was like, you know what? Yes, let's do it. So for the very first episode of this, whatever we're calling this, Cruising Memories, I am so excited to bring on the podcast Cruising Cat from Jacksonville, Florida. Welcome to the episode, Cat. Hello. How are you doing? Doing well. Thank you for helping me inaugurate this brand new idea. I think I'm excited for it, and I think our audience is going to be as well, because I'm hoping every week we're going to have something new to talk about, Kat. Oh, most definitely. We've got to keep the cruising enthusiasm alive when we can't be on cruises, because it's so hard right now for the true cruise addicts. Let me tell you. Yeah, and, and that's what it is. It's about, you know, again rekindling that's very you know the stories that bring a, a smile to your face and if it brings a smile to your face cat because it's something that you you know had a really nice time about i think this is going to be something that our audience is also going to enjoy and, and my hope is that maybe we'll learn something along the way but at the very least i think we're all going to be able to kind of uh, this week's episode dive into cat's cruise world right and then next week we'll have somebody else and dive into their world it's almost like it's, again it's that I keep saying it, but I think it's appropriate. It's that escape. So, um, Kat, where should where are we starting today? So we are starting back in 2016. Um, I had been on a couple of cruises at that time. I think maybe about five or six. I had started cruising back in 2006. My first cruise was on Enchantment of the Seas, 
And from that point on, I was addicted. And I had been on a couple cruises, but in 2016, I wanted to do something bigger. So we had looked into cruising back actually two years prior. And I was like, wow, the Oasis class ship looks really amazing. I would really love to cruise on that ship. So we had actually booked in advance Allure of the Seas. And I had never been on an Oasis class ship. I had been on other Royal Caribbean ships and they were awesome, but I wanted to have the big ship experience. And I'm a researcher. When it comes to my cruises, I'm a researcher. So of course, I was on Cruise Critic and I, at in 2016, I discovered Royal Caribbean blog because every once in a while on Cruise Critic, someone would let something slip it's like, hey, you need to check this place out before they would delete it. <laughs> before they would delete it. <laughs> so um, I started out on Cruise Critic and I, you know, I signed up for the meet and mingle and, and you know, did some research into the Oasis class ship. And because I didn't know what to expect. I had no idea what to expect and just from in doing the research I knew I had to pre-book my shows um, and it was absolutely amazing experience just with doing the research prior to the cruise I discovered Periscope from Cruise Critic because it was actually somebody live streaming from Allure of the Seas in March of 2016. And I, I said, well, Periscope, what's that? They're like, well, it's live streaming. You can see the person on their cruise. I said, well, okay, well, I'll check it out. And um, his name was Andrew1720, and he was on Allure of the Seas. And just from watching that Periscope, I knew where everything was. I knew all the little insider secrets of an Oasis class ship before I even stepped on it. So I felt like I was very prepared when I actually got to cruise. It was May of 2016. And from the moment that I stepped on to the Oasis class ship, it, it, the promenade, it led us on to the ship at the Royal Promenade. And I was just in awe. I mean, I was in, in true awe because it is absolutely amazing. It was sensory overload. And I was like, I just stood there for a minute because I had no idea where to go first. <laughs> I had no yeah, idea I, where to even begin. I feel like you have two firsts in Royal Caribbean. Your first cruise and your first Oasis class cruise. Most definitely. Most definitely. Well, I at, when I first got on the ship, um, we went and went up to the pool deck, and, and it was absolutely amazing. It was at uh, Port Everglades at that time, back in May of 2016. And I just remember, wow, I am on Allure of the Seas, one of, one of the larger ships in the Royal Caribbean class. I think it was the largest at that time because um, Symphony wasn't out. So I think it was the largest of the Royal Caribbean ships at that time. And... Um, what I most remember about that cruise is, you know, I did the meet and mingle through Cruise Critic and our meet and mingle group that one year was absolutely amazing. We made, I made so many connections with so many people and I'm actually friends with a few of them still to this day. 
And I think that's what really started my love even more for cruising is being able to meet people when you Mm. cruise and making lifelong friends and just having the experience of being on a big ship and having so many choices. Absolutely. You said you did a cruise in 2006. Is that right? Yes, 2006. What ship was that? Um, Enchantment of the Seas was my very first Okay, so cruise. yeah, quite a quite a jump there from Enchantment to Allure. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's such an incredible experience to go on the first one. Who are you cruising with? I was just cruising with my husband, and we were actually had a group cruise of military um, retirees that like to travel, space they travel. Um, space available travels when um, retiree, active duty, reserve, they can fly on military aircraft at military bases if it just happens to be going somewhere you want to go, like Europe, hmm. um, for practically nothing or, you know, a couple dollars at standby flying for those military eligible members. But my husband runs a web page for that, um, that area. And we had a group cruise. How neat. That's so, that's so amazing. And you know, I, I, my favorite things about any cruise, obviously when you first step on board the ship and it must've been incredible cat when you first stepped on board and you got on the promenade, because first of all, forget stepping on board when you drive up to the terminal and you see an Oasis class ship, it is unlike any other ship in terms of the just the the sheer magnitude and size of it. I mean, it must have been just I mean, you knew it was a big ship, but it, I feel like even if you know that ahead it, of time, it's still a big surprise. Oh, it most definitely was. My mind was totally blown. I was like, "Oh my god, this ship is humongous." This is I'm just I mean, cuz you know, you watch videos and you do your research and you see pictures and you watch YouTube videos. The true cruising research searcher you know you can do all that but it does not really hit it until you it, it you, it's right up in your face absolutely and <laughs> and the, and yeah, the thing you haven't mentioned the thing you haven't mentioned yet which is really important because i know you is this cruise literally changed your life cap because you you mentioned something earlier is that you discovered the application called periscope and you met andrew and, and all that but that's th- this was you didn't know it at the time, obviously. But because of that cruise, you discovered Periscope. You found mm-hmm. so many other friends online. You found me on there. So yep. all like it, this is like Allure was like patient zero for for you yes. becoming like all of a sudden these. If this were a flow chart, there all of a sudden all these lines are emanating from Allure to meeting me, finding the blog. I know so many of your friends, Kat, so many of our friends, common friends that we have together, all because of that one decision that you said, Dirk, let's go on a cruise, you know? And and that, what, Dirk's her husband, by the way. And um, and, and that's the, you know, like, doesn't that, that things like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but things like that always blow my mind. Like one decision has literally changed your life. So that, the funny story about that is when I watched Periscope with Andrew 1720 before I went on Allure, I said, well, I'm going to live stream from Allure. I live streamed for the very first time from my Allure cruise. I picked up 5,000 followers in one day because apparently at that time I was trending. I didn't Mm. know what that meant. (laughs) But (laughs) apparently... Uh, you know, um, 
you know, now, now, and nowadays it's, it's called like the featured periscoper. But at that time I was a trending periscoper. I picked up 5,000 followers in one day and I'm like, oh my God, this is absolutely amazing. And th from that cruise and live streaming and sharing my experience and meeting people on my cruise, that's, I created Royal Caribbean Periscopers in July of 2016 because I was posting the list on Royal Caribbean blog and trying to, you know, because like, this is really cool. But just from that one cruise, it lit my passion for wanting to share my experience with others and make connections, you know, with other cruising people because as we all know, cruising people are the most happiest people in the whole world because Absolutely. you can just set yourself on a cruise and you're just set your worries away. You know, it's funny that I was just thinking as you were talking about that cat, you know, this wasn't your first cruise, um, but it was. this was the cruise though for you that kind of made cruising, took cruising to a different level for you in terms of how important it was. And it kind of reminded me in a way, that's how I kind of, I think I got started to some extent because I did a number of Disney cruises. I did an Explorer of the Seas cruise. I did a, a Mariner of the Seas cruise, but it was my Oasis of the Seas cruise that I did um, with my family that, another Oasis class ship, that yeah. kind of, that, that was the that was the birth of Royal Caribbean blog and that changed my life. So it's interesting, Kat, for both of us that we kind of both had our lives changed because of an Oasis class ship like that. And it wasn't our first cruise. It was just like, I feel like everybody has maybe that moment where you, on some sailing, where cruising goes from a vacation to the vacation. And I it, feel like that, that that's kind of what's what we're seeing here. Oh, most definitely. Because I had been, Enchantment was my first cruise. Mariner of the Seas was my second. I will admit, after those two cruises, I did dabble a little bit in other cruise lines. I went on a couple carnival and a princess. And I was not happy with those at all. And so when we were researching taking a cruise again, I said, it is Royal Caribbean and we're going to go big or nothing at all. So that's exactly <laughs> what we did. We went Royal Caribbean, the biggest, baddest ship out there. There you go. Well, uh, Kat, I really appreciate you joining me here on this episode to help us bring this in. I think it's a great example of what we're talking about. And um, I think this is going to be the first of many fun stories we're going to be able to share there. And uh, there you go, Cruising Cat sharing how Allure of the Seas changed her life. Cat, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Matt, for doing this. And I can't wait to hear all the other stories. Um, what you do is amazing. And thank you so much for your commitment to the cruising world. Alrighty, time to answer your listener emails. This is the part of the podcast where I dip right into that Royal Caribbean blog email inbox. It's still there. It's still waiting for you. And to answer as many questions as we can, we'll start off with an email from Tara, who writes, Hi, Matt. I've been listening to your podcast. I've gotten so much information and useful tips that I feel almost overly prepared for our cruise. This will be my first cruise and my boyfriend Matt's second cruise. We will sail on Grandeur of the Seas for an eight-day cruise from Bermuda in the Bahamas. We just recently went from an interior room to a junior suite due to the price being almost identical to what we bid on a balcony suite. My questions are, what are the perks of being in a junior suite aside from the slightly larger room and balcony? Well, for a junior suite, you're going to get double crown and anchor society points. So two points for every night of your cruise. You're going to get uh, priority embarkation and disembarkation. 
Uh, that means that you'll have when you get to the cruise terminal, there'll be a special line just for you for being a sweet guest. You are lumped in with that. Uh, same for when you get off the cruise. Uh, in terms of beyond that, in the room, you're going to have a full-size bathtub. You're also going to have upgraded toiletries um, in the in the room. So it's not just, not just the mystery liquid that comes out of the wall. You also have little small bottles of various brands of, you know, lotion and, and shampoo and whatnot. Uh, you also get a full walk-in size closet. That's essentially the major difference besides, of course, the significantly larger room and balcony. Terror also writes, also my friends are gonna be on the same cruise, would they be able to come back to our junior suite and enjoy the balcony? They got a free upgrade from an interior to an ocean view. Thank you so much for reading and hopefully responding to my email. Have a fantastic day. And the answer is yes, absolutely. Um, there's no restrictions for anybody to go to anyone else's room. That's not a thing as long as you're not causing a ruckus. Absolutely no problem at all. Next, we have an email from Amy G in Pennsylvania. Good morning, Matt. Love the show, and I'm hoping you might know some inside info regarding my time dining. Our next cruise will be in August on Independence of the Seas. It'll be my first time on Indy, our second time cruising with Royal Caribbean, and third cruise overall. I was playing with a cruise planner. I noticed that all the my time dining slots starting at 7 p.m. every day. So I asked around on Facebook, and replied, someone replied that she heard my time may be changing. Um, she said all three diners will serve early dining guests first, and then one dining room would open for my time dining guests after that, the first group is done eating. So basically there'll be no option to eat early if you're on my time, which doesn't sound very my time to me. Have you heard this? I hope that's not true. Amy, I, I have not heard this. This is just pure rumor and speculation. I wouldn't read too much into, into what you're seeing there, Amy. I think that, um, number one, nothing to that effect has been announced. Something that significant, you can't just you know, change under the covers. That's going to be a big change. Uh, I don't think that's until we hear otherwise, and it could be the case, but as of right now, Amy, the answer is no, that's just rumor speculation. Um, the cruise planner website is, has gotten a whole lot better over the last couple of years, but it still has some weird issues, things where sometimes it'll show one thing and then randomly start showing something else. Um, I, I wouldn't read too much into that, Amy. So as far as I'm concerned, as far as we've heard from Royal, we should consider that to be a rumor at this point. Uh, and, and that would be a strong way of giving, that gives almost too much credence, quite frankly. Uh, I feel like you should just, you'll have my time dining as you come to expect it, in, in my opinion. Next, we have an email from Kathy who writes, I purchased the soda only package and I'm wondering how that works in the main dining room. Does my CPAS card show I purchased it without bringing my cup? Yes, absolutely true. When you buy the soda package or any drink package, you don't need to carry around the soda cup in order to get soda with it. Um, your CPAS card not only has the sticker on it, but even if it doesn't, even if you rip that thing off and drew with magic marker all over it, they can always swipe it. Crew members can always swipe it in the in the, in the machine, which they have to do anyway for, for soda transactions. And they will see, ah, yes, this person does have the drink package. So yes, you don't have to bring your soda cup with you. When you get to the dining room, you'll tell your wait staff, hey, I have the soda package. You're good to go. In fact, in Kathy, in my experience, once you see it one time, that's all they need to see it. And after that, you're pretty much good to go. Next up is an email from Aussie Dave, right? So listening to episode 343, you had a listener ask about what currencies to take on their quantum cruise around Asia. As a former foreign currency exchange specialist, I thought I might be able to weigh in on the discussion. You suggested taking US dollars and going with the flow. This might not be the best advice depending on what ports of call are being made. If the stop was a small island, primarily relies on tourists and cruise ships for their local economy, US dollars is possibly going to be okay, though change is likely to be given to local currency. However, if the stop is more of a city of some sort, you're gonna to wanna to have local currency almost without question. For Thailand, it's the Thai bot, uh, Malaysia. You'll be wanting to carry around the Malaysian ringgit 
and Singapore operates on the Singapore dollar. Your best bet will be to exchange into these currencies before you leave home, and whatever you do, do not do it at the airport. Go and find your local TravelX, Amex currency exchange, etc., and do it there. Even for my cruises out of Australia and the South Pacific, I will always take a mix of currencies that are local to where I'm going, along with the Australian dollars, as a backup, even of US dollars as a backup, a backup. <laughs> if anyone is ever in doubt about currency, they need a particular country, check with your travel agent or foreign currency expert near you. Hope this helps. And Matt, remember, you'll need Australian dollars at an absolute minimum for when you book that Royal Caribbean blog group cruise out of Sydney soon. Keep the good work, mate. Dave, I really appreciate that. That's actually really good information, especially for, for Asia. And you're you're right. I mean, there's obviously regions of the world where that is different. And I'm glad you were able to share that with us, David. So thank you so much for that info. And I'll definitely keep that in mind about that inevitable Australian group cruise if and when that shows up. Next is an email from Bob in Syracuse, New York. It's Matt, thanks to the blog and podcast. The hidden gem in Royal Caribbean eateries has to be the Solarium Bistro on Quantum Class Ships, a cozy, quiet place to dine, free of charge with waiter service. Quiet so you can talk with your friends and table mates. That's the difference in complimentary dining. Also, it's quiet. My secret place, don't tell anyone. P.S. I'm on an Empress of the Seas Cruise Bermuda this summer. Any secrets? Is it really small enough to get through to cut the dock in St. George? I can't wait for the small ship experience. Bob, it's definitely a small ship. You, you're the smallest Royal Caribbean international ship you can find right there, my friend. And uh, yeah, the Solarium Bistro, for years I overlooked it. For years I was like, yeah, whatever, okay. Uh, and then I started going there more and more, especially for breakfast, and I absolutely love it. It's such a great place, but like, nobody goes there. I mean, it's just, I don't know if they don't know about it or they're just, you know, don't feel like walking all, all the way to the front of the ship and up to the pool deck, but man, that's a great spot to go to. Absolutely agree with you on that one. Uh, and yeah, the Empress is a pretty small, I mean, not a pretty, it is a very small ship. It's an older ship. Don't forget, I mean, this ship came out in a completely different era, quite frankly, of, of cruising, even before the Sovereign class, which inaugurated, if you will, the mega ships uh, that we, we call today, which is kind of funny because if you think of Majesty of the Seas, which is a Sovereign class ship, I don't think anyone really considers that a mega ship, but by the definition, that's what it was. And um, yeah, you're gonna have a small ship experience on, on Empress. It's gonna be very different than what you've experienced on other, especially a quantum class ship. Night and day is what I would expect, quite frankly, right there. Next, we have an email from Cheryl Ann, who writes, hopefully you can give me some advice. I booked Symphony of the Seas, and I haven't found, I haven't been on Royal Caribbean over 15 years. I want to extend my vacation. I was thinking of doing a back-to-back -back in Symphony, or should I book a four-night Navigator of the Seas cruise with Coco Key prior to the Symphony? I'll have to spend one night in Miami and then get on Symphony. Price difference is like $540 total. Is the Symphony worth two weeks? Please help. Uh, my air is free using points, so that's why I'm thinking of extending the cruise. Number one, I love this idea. So, back-to-back -back on Symphony, or one Symphony and one Navigator. I would do back-to-back -back on Symphony. It's two cruises, long, it's more nights, that's number one. Number two, Symphony is fantastic. Navigator is great, too. I don't, please don't take that as a slide on Navigator. But you'll probably go to Perfect Day at Kukuki on both stops, and on both trips, I should say. And um, to have the extra bonus days and potentially a completely different itinerary beyond that on leg two of Symphony, I think it's worthwhile. I would totally do back-to-backs on Symphony. When you're doing a back-to-back -back in general, ideally, the best way to do it is be on the same ship in the same room for both for both legs. It really makes a big difference there. So if you can get the same room for both sailings, that's definitely how I would go about that. And we have time for uh, one more email here, and that is from Jay from Boston. Hello, Matt. Diamond member here. Huge fan of yours. Great work. Just got off the alert of the seas last week, and something really stuck with me that we couldn't wrap our heads around. 
One of our favorite spots aboard is the Champagne Bar. Always busy, great vibe, chill, relaxed atmosphere. As you know, a unique spot to gather, especially pre-show, pre-dinner, etc. We were speaking with one of the great bartenders there, and she let us know that they're replacing with the Bionic Bar. Okay, I get it. We've been on the ships of the Bionic Bar, a cute gimmick, nice to try once or twice, but certainly not a destination. Not somewhere you would want to hang out or even return to during a seven-day cruise. So my question is, what could possibly Royal Caribbean be thinking? What a downgrade. Money-wise, for sure, the Bionic Bar cannot turn more revenue than a terminally busy bar that cranks out martinis that are top dollar at a dizzying pace. We racked our brain and couldn't come up with anything close that matters. The staff was truly disappointed about it and couldn't figure it out either. Just your thoughts. Your opinion is always of value. Jay, thanks for the email. The answer to your question, and the answer to your question, number one, is no one knows for certain, Jay. My opinion is the reason why the champagne bars have all been replaced by bionic bars is because of two factors. Uh, number one, it's marketing. And number two, there has got to be a money factor in there. Royal Caribbean loves a great idea, okay? And and, and it, you know, being able to market great ideas is a big thing for Royal. Royal is known for innovation, for can't believe they put that on a cruise ship things. And if you watch any Royal Caribbean commercial, there's a pretty good chance the Bionic Bar makes an appearance in there. So there's a marketing aspect to that. Now, that being said, it also has, they are a for-private company and money is at the heart of everything. And certainly if it was a money losing proposition, they wouldn't do it. They've got, I mean, the fact that the Bionic Bar has been spread to so many ships and replaced so many other existing bars, to me, tells me that there is something either, either or, and quite possibly both, the marketing aspect, the way that it, it draws people in because it does, or the fat and or, the fact that it just makes money. It's got it. I mean, if they, if they wouldn't be putting it on this many ships this often, this with this consistency, if it wasn't doing that. You can see that in other venues that just don't work or have not spread nearly as pro, uh, as much as the Bionic Bar. Look at Hooked, Hooked the seafood restaurant, right? It got to like, you know, two ships and that was it. Um, you know, Sabor stopped spreading around. Um, you know, they, they, they seem to be very, they being royal, seems to be very specific about, okay, this concept is working, let's move that around, and other ones, not so much. So, to me, there's gotta be some methodology behind that, and I think it's a combination of marketing and it does make money. Now, do I agree with everything you said that, I mean, would I rather drink at the Bionic Bar or drink at the Champagne Bar? Yeah, I'd rather drink at the Champagne Bar, no question about that. But I think that, uh, you know, it, it's, there, there's a lot of factors. I think the marketing factor is probably the missing piece you're not considering. Obviously, look, you're a Diamond member. I'm a Diamond Plus member. We've been there, done that. We've been to the Bionic Bar. It was cute the first couple of times. I agree. But is it my favorite place to go? No. But you go on any cruise and you walk by, there's usually, especially in the evening, man, there's always, it gets a crowd. You know, I'm not saying that it's packed in there, but it gets a crowd and it gets attention. And that, at the end of the day, in this world of, uh, of where every cruise line is trying to stand out from the other one, a bionic bar is going to stand out. It's going to do that. They can make the argument it could be somewhere else. That's fine as well. I'm not going to debate that. But yeah, you're not the first person to bring that up, Jay. And that's that's honestly my my opinion. It's got to be marketing, and it's got to still make them some sort of money. Because uh, at the end of the day, they're not going to put something there that doesn't make money. So. Thank you, Jay, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again real soon.